630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. In camp on July 13th, your Edmonton Oilers on the ice today at Rogers Place as they begin tuning up for the restart of the NHL season, the qualifying round in which the Oilers will play the Chicago Blackhawks starting on August 1st. We have a lot to get to tonight. You'll hear from Dave Tippett, from Connor McDavid, from Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Bob Stoffer will hop on the show. We'll go to Chicago to see what's up with the Blackhawks. Their goaltender, Corey Crawford, not on the ice today. So we have all the hockey stories covered. And also a story that does tie into Edmonton. The Washington Redskins announcing that they will retire. They will retire the name Redskins, and pick a new name. That has been an ongoing story there. And, of course, we have an ongoing story here as well with the Eskimos of the Canadian Football League. So at 7.30, we'll go to Washington, D.C. and get a firsthand account. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Ched, my name is Reed Wilkins. You can reach out by calling or texting 780-496-0063. Now, before we dive Deeper into the hockey stuff, we should, of course, touch on what the Oilers skated out to today at Rogers Place. On the giant screen above center ice, a picture of the late Colby Cave with the words, we skate for Colby. Here's head coach Dave Tippett. Well, I thought that's something that we should address. This is the first time our group's been together since since Colby passed, and, and obviously players have talked about it, but as a as a whole organization this was our first day to address it in a team meeting this morning we uh we talked about it a little bit and uh, bob nicholson had arranged uh, the tribute on the scoreboard uh, and i thought it was very fitting very fitting and colby was a he was an unbelievable young man great teammate you know obviously a, a friend to to uh everybody in our locker room and he would be with us today if uh if if he hadn't passed, he was a, a plan to be with our group. So we wanted to make sure that we uh, paid our respects to him. Um, you know, he's a member of our team. Uh, him and his wife were uh, good friends with everybody in the team. So it was a, uh, I think it was a, a fitting tribute today. And it's something that we've got to carry with us. And hopefully, uh, you know, he's, he's with us in, in spirit and uh, we'll, uh, will help our group uh, moving forward. Well said by Dave Tippett, remembering the late Colby Cave as the Oilers open training camp today at Rogers Place. Okay, so uh, we'll break down some of the line combinations and some of the storylines as we move along here tonight. You've probably seen the, those stories on, on, on social media, so we'll play all the uh, key clips from some of the people involved. Now, on the weekend... Mike Green, defenseman for the Edmonton Oilers, who only got into a couple of games with Edmonton before he got injured shortly after the trade deadline, decided to opt out. And today was uh, the deadline earlier this afternoon for NHL players. No questions asked to say, hey, I'm not comfortable playing or I, I don't feel like I should be playing. They, did, they didn't need to actually to give any sort of a reason to opt out of the qualifying round and the Stanley Cup playoffs. Dave Tippett again on Mike Green deciding not to play. I would say it didn't catch me off guard because there's, you know, we knew there was some family issues uh, uh, for a bit now that uh, he was, uh, I think he was really struggling with the decision there, but, but he decided that, um, you know, personal reasons it was uh, with his family, it was the best situation for him. And you have to respect that, uh, that decision. 
You know, we uh, when we traded for him, he's a guy that we we thought would come in and really help us. But you you know, this is just this is unprecedented times. You've got to uh, allow for flexibility, and and uh, unfortunately, we won't have him with us here. But uh, that's a decision he made. That's uh, you know he thought was best for him and his family. So you just have to uh, respect that and uh, and move on. All right. So that is a story with Mike Green. So down a defenseman on the back end because of that. Caleb Jones did not skate today as well. Now, here's a term we're going to have to get used to in the NHL over the next three months or so until, well, maybe as long as we have COVID, but at least through the playoffs. And that is the term unfit to practice, unfit to participate. The NHL is not going to announce if a player has COVID. They, they've decided that, that they don't think that's appropriate. That's not what they're going to do. So if a player is out of action, they're not going to say anything about his injury. They're, they're just going to say he's unfit to practice, unfit to take part. Unfit's going to be the word. So he could be injured, could have COVID. They're not going to give timelines. Now, of course, once we get into the actual games, there may be an obvious situation where, oh, hey, that guy's uh, ankle is uh, turned the wrong way at the end of his leg. Probably an ankle injury, though they're just going to say unfit to practice. So if you hear that, it doesn't necessarily mean the player has COVID. It could be something else. Could be an off-ice issue. Couldn't make it. Uh, I'm going to read what Mark Spector tweeted out from Sportsnet earlier today. He said, Caleb Jones is scheduled to skate with a later group made up of black aces, which teaches us something about the term unfit to practice. It apparently covers injuries, not just illness. So Jones must have some kind of nick, but clearly no COVID if he's skating with players. And Speck summed it up very well. If you're going on the ice with any other, uh, in any sort of group situation, you don't have COVID. Now, if Jones didn't skate at all, also doesn't mean he has COVID, could could be something else. So you're going to have to get used to that term, unfit to practice. They're not going to identify players that have COVID, though I guess the player could come out and say it himself if he wanted to, but that's how the NHL is handling things. Strange times for sure, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins commented on the NHL trying to finish this season with the pandemic going on. It is, it's weird times. I mean, it's crazy times. I think uh, I, I didn't know how many, I heard some about Pittsburgh. I didn't know how many guys they, they sat out today, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, we're all just kind of going with it. We're doing the best that we can here. And, um, <clears throat> I mean, we want to get back playing. So obviously the players agreed to do this. And, uh, and now that we're here, I mean, we want to make the most out of it. And obviously we want to stay safe. You got to be smart for, uh, before heading into the bubble. I think everybody needs to be smart and limit, uh, limit themselves to kind of the outside world as much as we can. So we're not bringing it into the bubble or anything like that. And, um, obviously we want to stay safe, but we got to put the mentality in that we want to win this and, uh, go as far as we can here. And, uh, it's going to start, <clears throat> it's going to start with that playing series. So we got to prepare for that. Now you heard Nugent Hopkins reference the Pittsburgh Penguins who opened training camp today, voluntarily keeping nine players off the ice who may have had secondary exposure to a person testing positive for COVID-19. Penguins didn't reveal which of the players were uh, were held out as a precautionary measure. So we, and we could see situations like this as we move through training camp 
where to be safe, well, maybe these players were in contact with somebody who has the virus, so we're going to keep them off the ice. That's a pretty uh, big group of Penguins, nine of them not being able to go today. But as Nugent Hopkins says, strange times. We've been talking about this on the show for several weeks now, especially as we, we got to know that Edmonton was going to be one of the hub cities. And several people said it on 630 Chad uh, last week, John Shannon on this show, Brian Burke on with Bob, Elliot Friedman on with Bob, that the real concern for NHL teams and managers and coaches is not so much once they're in the bubbles in Edmonton and Toronto, it's the next couple of weeks until the teams go there. Because in some of these cities, there's not much of a, of a shutdown so our players, are they going out to eat? Are they stopping for groceries or a pint on the way home or whatever and uh, and exposing themselves? And I think that's more the concern. Uh, you know, three players on the Canadians reported to have tested positive over the weekend. So that's what we're, we're, we're looking out for. They, they seem pretty confident once they get to the bubble that they're in the bubble. They have a lot of rules and procedures set up for how teams are going to behave and who they're going to be allowed to interact with. Basically nobody outside outside of the, the team personnel and the teams they play against. Um, but could we see situations like this where the Penguins are saying, okay, we got to figure out for sure what's going on here. So we're not even going to bother putting these players on the ice. So that's part of the storyline to watch there. Now, as for how the Edmonton Oilers lined up today, well, little different from uh, how they finished the regular season. Of course, we last saw them in a 4-2 loss to the Winnipeg Jets in the middle of March. And the best line in the NHL for the last couple months of the season was not together at practice today. Instead, Andreas Athanasiu was on the left side with Leon Dreisaitl and Kyler Yamamoto. And Ryan Nugent Hopkins left Dreisaitl and Yamamoto and was playing with McDavid and Cassian. We go to head coach Dave Tippett. We know that Nugent can play on that line very well, but Connor he played very well with Connor and Cass at the end of the year also. Uh, we've tried Ennis there a little bit. We know what we have in that a little bit, but Double uh, A hasn't uh, didn't have much time there, and that's something we were looking forward to doing. So we're going to try it early in camp and see how things go. We have the flexibility of that left side that uh, anybody can flip at any time to give us a different look at any point in the game. So that's uh, I think the depth on our left wing is very strong. Tyler Ennis on the left side with Riley Shane and Josh Archibald. James Neal on the left side with Jujar Kara at center and Alex Chason on the right wing. And then Joachim Nygaard, who we didn't see for the last couple of months of the season because of that broken arm. This is basically the Oilers' fifth line, Gaetan Haas and Patrick Russell. And then uh, some players from the minor leagues, Benson, Marodi, and McLeod together as a line as well. I was surprised to see Athens see you there. He's been described as an enigma. I certainly go along with that description. There is some speed. Can he get involved in the guts of the game? Can he keep plays alive? Can he gel with Dreisaitl and Yamamoto, whoever he is with? But the Oilers do have flexibility. I, I think Tyler Ennis can contribute in the top six as a support player to a strong pair. And then you have James Neal as well, who has sort of floated all over the lineup. He battled some uh, injury issues during the season, and we know what a streaky score he can be. Same with Alex Chason. So that's how we're looking today, still almost three weeks until the games start to count. But Athanasiu, at least for the time being, getting a bit of a carrot dangled in front of his nose. Nugent Hopkins discussing playing with McDavid yet again. 
I mean, we played world championships together. We were together the whole time. Uh, we finished, the, I think, the season before that together and started the next season together. So I, I know both of their games pretty well. I mean, I should by this by this point. I mean, played together for a long time now. And uh, they, have, they, have different, they have different styles of play for sure. But, um, I mean, the big thing is be ready for the puck and be ready to find them uh, when they're moving. I mean, obviously, Connor has that ex- extremely uh, explosive speed and um, – uh, a lot of the time, <laughs> I got to get the puck, and I got to already think where, okay, where is he? Uh, he's already moving, so uh, you got to be able to find him on the on the on the move. So it's uh, they have different styles, but at the same time, I mean, it's got to. For me, I just kind of got to go out and, and play my game, and uh, they're both such good players that they can kind of read off and do. Well, and I think Nugent Hopkins, pretty good player too, and he can read off other players. We'll see. We'll see. So, some options for the Oilers. They're a deeper team than they have been in the last couple of years. They still rely heavily on their big three of McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, and Dreisaitl. But I look at these lines, and I think even having Neil and Chase on today on the on the so-called fourth line, those are players who can move up if needed and who have been able to help on the power play. So that's how the lines shape up today. We'll call a quick timeout. I'm happy to hear from you. 780-496-0063. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Thanks for tuning in tonight. We will have all the Oilers games for you on 630 Chad. There's going to be an exhibition game to be announced. And then August 1st, the game against Chicago. I would anticipate that will be a matinee, but we don't have the exact schedule yet. Connor McDavid, of course, the Oilers captain, second leading scorer in the league during this regular season behind only teammate Leon Dreisaitl. He spent last summer rehabbing that knee injury and came back strong. And now he's hoping to fly here into the postseason. Head coach Dave Tippett on his captain. This summer, he's been uh, he's been unbelievable. I've spent, probably talked to him more than any other player during the, the pause. He was uh, worked hard at trying to get our game back and, and going with the group that was working with the league and uh, has been very vocal with all our players here and making sure everybody knows where uh, where we stand with everything and if you saw the first practice today he's up he's a very motivated guy he was he was leading the charge out there so it uh, it's great to see uh, it's great to see not only Connor but everybody back I thought it was an excellent first day and uh, Connor was certainly leading the way all right, an excellent first day with Connor leading the way. Oilers head coach Dave Tippett, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Robert on the line. Robert, thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. Go ahead. Uh, hey, Reed, uh, how's it going? Good. Uh, I want. I have. Uh, I have a couple thoughts tonight on the on the uh, uh, on the lines that they had to start training camp with today. Because listening to a little bit of uh, uh, Bob's show earlier on, he's saying that they had McDavid with Nuge and Cassian, but I, I, I was I found it a little interesting when I heard that I had Athanasiu up there with Dreisaitl. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I know it's early, and then no one there's there's probably going to be some, you know, uh, you know, tinkering and adjustments going on with the lines and stuff. But I mean, I kind of wonder. I kind of kind of ask myself, like, what uh, 
what maybe uh, Tippett's reasoning for starting a training camp with having uh, Athena see you up there because the person I'm always, I mean, like, just in my personal opinion from what I what I've seen and watched, I mean, I think a, I think a first thing a, a better fit up there for with a dry title would be a, a guy like Tyler Ennis. Yeah, I was I was I was surprised that Athanasiu was there, and like you said, it, it is the first day of training camp. They may cycle a lot of through players through there. I liked a lot of things about Ennis's game. He was creative. He was smart. He was um, he was more tenacious on the puck, even more so than than I thought he would be, Robert, when he joined the Oilers. Now maybe he does get a look there, and I also think Tippett wants players to be ready to go with anybody at any given time. Because as I was saying in the previous segment, even Neil and Chason can move up into a top six role if needed. They, they've they've done it before, so they do have a little bit more flexibility that way. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, like in, so, I mean, yeah, like in, uh, I guess in, uh, in that sense, I guess, I guess I, I, I can, so I can, I can see why Tippett did it and like why starting it that way. But, but I mean, I think, but I mean, I mean, like I said, for me, I think it's more of like, I mean, I think like a guy, a guy like Annis, because Annis, I mean, like he's, you know, like he's, uh, he's very, like you said, he's, he's tenacious, he's aggressive, he can skate, he's got speed. And, but I mean, you know, I, but I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think a guy, I mean, I think a guy like Austin is see you at, but I mean, like just, I just like where, where he ranks for me on the Oilers uh, depth chart, I think Austin is see you is fourth line maybe maybe third line at best but i mean but but i but i mean i mean i guess we'll have to see where the where uh, what Tippett rolls out in the uh, exhibition game and then the uh, the opener against chicago on the first but yeah. i mean but uh, then uh, then uh, no one i have one one final thought on the <clears throat> on the uh the goaltending no one I can no one I, I talked to you last week there and I said that you know that I, I that I'll be comfortable with, with either guy whether it be Koskinen or Smith but I mean I think personally I think because I think, I think based, based on based on the history that Tippett has with Smith I think it's I I think at this point I I think Tippett will will likely will likely go with Smith unless I mean I mean unless he sees some something glaring in in training camp to maybe to maybe uh, bump Koskin and ahead of Smith, but right. I mean, I think uh, I mean I mean like I said, I think I think at this point Smith is the uh, Smith is the starter for game one, and then you know, and then Koskin and goes in there maybe when maybe when Smith has Smith has an off night or you know struggles yeah. a little bit because you know it is the playoffs well, and then uh, the games. I'll, are, uh, I'll you tell know, you what, Robert. I got I got to run here for the news, but I'm glad you brought up the goaltending. Thanks for calling, but I'm going to play a clip on what Dave Tippett had to say about the goalies when we get back, and Bob Stoffer will hop on as well. Goaltending, always a story in the playoffs. It'll be no different this year from a Chicago standpoint. What is going on with Corey Crawford, who was not on the ice today? John Weidman's the play-by-play voice for the Hawks. He'll join us between 7 and 7.30. We just had Robert call into the show, 780-496-0063. He was talking a bit about the goaltending. Who might get the start? Will it be Mike Smith? Will it be Miko Koskinen? Still some 
road to cover until we play that first game. But of course, Dave Tippett was asked about his goaltenders today. Well, basically, it's it's very similar. We've talked to our whole group about we need to get everybody up and going in these next, uh, you know, two and a half weeks. We'll will dictate where where we think everybody is as we go along here we're going to do uh, lots of scrimmaging you uh, you know we'll have the one exhibition game and we'll make that decision going into the first game against chicago but we have uh, we have great confidence in both guys um you know very like very similar like the the regular season we feel like either one of them can go in there and play and the greatest thing about it is our team, our team, you know, sometimes I've been on teams where you got a number one and a number two guy. And when the number one guy in there, they're, the team feels comfortable. And number two guy, they're, they're always a little nervous. Both our team is fine with either guy in there. So that's uh, we're in a good position that way. You know, a year ago, we spent a lot of time last summer talking about the Oilers goaltending. Could Koskinen do better than he did in his first full season in the National Hockey League? What would Mike Smith have in the tank as he moved into his late 30s? Neither guy really individually with sexy numbers this season. In December, an off month for both guys. Koskinen was 5-6 and six with a 901 save percentage. Mike Smith really struggled in December. He only appeared in five games but had an 828 save percentage. And he wasn't that great in the second half of November either. But for the most part, at least one Oilers goaltender was doing well enough to keep the team afloat. And Mike Smith in January, February, and March racked up a record of 12, 3, and 4. Now, in the three appearances he had in March, he was dropping off a little bit. But then you had Koskinen stepping in with a 966 save percentage in March. He flat out stole a game in Dallas, and he'd only allowed three goals against at uh, even strength. He was beaten twice more on the power play. You know, I, Tippett has leaned towards Smith when it's kind of been a 50-50 decision throughout the season as we bring in Bob Stoffer, host of Oilers Now, noon to two every day on 630 Ched. But, look, there's a lot of run up here in training camp, Bob. I, I think they got to treat it as a competition. I think the goalies are always healthily competitive with each other and we'll see we'll see i mean let's see who can grab it here i think all things being equal Reed, i think mike smith's gonna get the start in the first game uh, i think that there's a history between dave tippett and mike smith which is not to say that dave tippett doesn't respect what miko koskinen can do but if i were a betting man i'd put money on smith to start I, I all things being equal but i think if koskinen plays them and granted it's going to be a bunch of inner squad games and probably one preseason game just john shannon mentioned last week he thinks it'll be against calgary we'll see but but the it's it's not like it, there's not a definite one and two like like Tippett said in that clip so i think if koskinen really shines or smith appears to struggle then then i think he'd have no problem going with koskinen yeah i, I guess time will tell uh, i don't think he's got a problem with going with koskinen i just think he's going to start smith in the first game and i like i so i respectfully disagree with you i don't think that it's you know, if they both get half a game in against whoever they end up playing in the exhibition game, I still think he's ultimately going to be going with Mike Smith. Okay. Even if, all right, even if he was shaky, eh? you think he still trusts him enough he puts him in? Well, he's had a long history with him, and it's it's not like he's a 25-year-old goaltender that he's had a year and a half with. I mean, he's had multiple years with Mike Smith. He knows what Smith can do. Um 
you know, uh, Chicago is not a team that is a strong possession team, and they're a transition team, and the Oilers are equally as effective off the rush as Chicago, but Chicago gives up a, a ton of shots off the uh, D-zone cycles, and Smith also has the ability to get the puck up the ice, and that's something that Koskinen's improved on. I just look at the history between the coach and the and the guardian. I think Smith starts game one, and, but all bets are off after that. Sure. Well, and and that's how he treated them throughout the season as, as well. So, sure. So fair point for sure. Uh, but yeah, Koskinen was, uh, I mean, that game against Dallas, that might have been, now, I was going to say one of the best individual performances. Now, we had four goal games and hat tricks and McDavid beat <laughs> McDavid beat what about, Morgan Ryan. What about Smith in Pittsburgh? <laughs> Smith, that, you know what? That's a fair point. Smith in Pittsburgh would be the best goaltending performance by an Oilers goalie. And then probably the, well, you know what? Both games for Koskinen in Dallas, Bob. He, he really stole both those road games against the Stars. Well, and they might end up playing Dallas, uh, you know, uh, if they can get past Chicago, and I do expect them to get past Chicago, but the way it might work out, they might end up playing the Dallas Stars again. So, uh, I mean, this is a this is an intriguing time. It's great that we're talking about this stuff instead of running down stats and numbers on the 7,500 tests that were done COVID-wise in Edmonton and the 50 positive tests we had and the fact that we were at like a 0.6% positivity rate over the course of the last three days and nobody died. I and mean, that's, that's good news there, but uh, let's get after it. Let's play some hockey. All right, let's let's touch on the other storyline just for people who might have uh, might be tuning in for the, their first full update today, or might have missed our chat on Oilers now earlier today. Andreas Athanasiu up there with Drysaitel and Yamamoto. Nugent Hopkins went with McDavid and Cassian. We know how deadly Drysaitel, Nugent Hopkins, and Yamamoto were in the uh, the second half of the season. Ever since the calendar flipped to 2020, I really thought. Tyler Ennis might get a look in the top six, and look, he still might. What, what if anything, is Tippett saying to Athanasiu and the other guys on the left side by putting him with Dreisaitl today? Oh, well, I, I think we talked a bit about this at one thirty today, Reed. I mean, one of the challenges that Athanasiu has had is he's kind of been throughout the course of his career a one-man band. And uh, the best people, uh, you know, the best broadcasters share the mic. Uh, the best actors share the screen, and the best players share the puck. And uh, now he has an opportunity to spend, uh, you know, eight or nine days in a training camp, potentially on a line with Leon Dreisaitl and, and trying to find a slot there so they can give him a real puncher's chance to show what he can do here. So I am with you. I agree that uh, they could quickly and easily slide a guy like Tyler Ennis up. Uh, Nygaard, uh, I know they've been impressed. Uh, you know, he can fly. Uh, I know some eyes were opened up today by Ryan McLeod as well with his speed, but I think he's a lot further away. Um, Athanasio is going to get a definite look, and I do think that what you saw today is the plan to start the playoff series against the Chicago Blackhawks in terms of the top four lines. All right, Mike Green has decided to opt out. A handful of other players, certainly Travis Hamanick from the Calgary Flames, uh, you know, right up there near the top of the list when you're talking about big names to opt out. Oh, and we should mention too, uh, Max Domi with the Canadians is kind of going to wait and see. He's yeah. diabetic, so they're going to wait seven to ten games. Th- to me, that that changes things on the back end, right? Because he, Mike Green, you know what you're going to get. He, 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 I think he understood the situation he was coming into here, that there might be some nights where his ice time varied. Maybe he'd even have to go to the, the press box a night or two, depending on how the team was going. That, that, that changes things. Uh, and uh, Caleb Jones didn't skate today. The, old, the, uh, the new unfit-to-practice line that we're going to have to get used to quickly. But 
uh, you don't know Mike Green, and uh, that takes some experience out of the lineup and takes some of the options out of the back end. It does. Uh, it also might take part of the confusion, frankly. I mean, I, I, and I know you and Rob Brown have discussed this a lot over the last couple of years. Uh, the fact of the matter is over the last four seasons, Matt Benning's plus minus it's been uh, as good as anybody's uh, on defense. In fact, no, wait, it's been better than anybody's right. on defense. He is he is what he is, which is an effective third-pairing right-shot defenseman. So, uh, you know, we kind of both thought that Benning was going to be competing uh, with Green for ice time. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, Jones may be a little behind the eight ball. We're not sure in terms of... Um, and we don't want to jump to any conclusions in terms of what unfit to play means to start. For all we know, he could be by Wednesday uh, with the main group or even tomorrow with the main group. So we got to wait and see on that front. But uh, uh, Evan Bouchard has now got one fewer player to sort of climb over to get in the mix here. So, you know, we know the top two right shot defense positions are going to be with Adam Larson and, and Ethan Bear. Bear, by the way, most likely headed down the path read on a one-year contract extension along the lines of an Anthony D'Angelo. The Oilers keeping, uh, you know, using the CBA to their advantage since he doesn't have arb rights, but nonetheless a guy that would likely, likely get a long-term extension uh, at the conclusion of, you know, at some point uh, for the 2021 uh, year starting in 21-22, that's when it would kick in. So those two right shot guys, right, Larson and Bear, betting in the, the three-hole to start, and if there's an injury or if somebody falters, you know, maybe Evan Bouchard does end up getting a look. Got a text here from Chuck. He says, hey, Reed and Bob, I thought Mike Smith was the Calgary Flames' best player in the playoffs last year. Fair comment, short series against Colorado. Uh, probably both a comment on how Smith played and how some of Calgary's top guys didn't play uh, because I think there was some disappointment in how some of their big guns performed in that loss to the uh, Colorado Avalanche. This texture says, how deep are the Oilers going into defensive prospects, do you think, Bob? Like, will Samarukov be in the bubble on reserve this year? That's a well, we text, seven eight zero. You know that Samarukov is not in the bubble, so right. that's... that's uh, so they can't... Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that Lagason and Bouchard, let's let's put it this way. Their top seven's pretty clear, right? Their top well, first of all, their top four is their top four. You got Clefbaum and Larson, and then you got Nurse and Bear. Third pairing, you have a competition between Russell and Jones to likely play with Benny. Now you could potentially see Russell and Jones together and bending out, but I would think that would be unlikely. More organizations are going to a lefty-righty scenario. To me, that make, makes the number eight defenseman right now, Evan Bouchard, the number nine defenseman, William Langston. Uh, you know, there, I don't see how. I, I guess crazier thing, I mean, what do you do if the Oilers end up playing 33 games, Reed? What if, what if they go five games against Chicago and then have four straight best of sevens go seven games? They could play 33 games. Maybe you'd lose a few defensemen along the way. I think logic would dictate that would happen. I think back to Calgary in 2003-04, and they, they put a guy in for two games, Brennan Evans, who had played for the Kootenai Ice. He never played an NHL regular season game in his history, and he got in three rounds in the playoffs due to injury. So um, it's a fair question in terms of the depth, but in a perfect case scenario, I think we're probably looking at seven or maybe eight defensemen playing if Edmonton were to go on an extended run. Yes, and I think I, and I, I don't want to read too much but I, but I wonder if the two if that texture is referring to bringing 
because there, there's going to be a roster limit, an expanded roster limit. And I mean, look, if, if a play, if a team has 10 players get injured, I don't know what the rules are if, uh, introducing yeah. players into the bubble mid tournament, they'd probably have to go through some time, some type of a quarantine or isolation and then be tested and introduced into the team environment. I would guess, but that's another what ifs that the NHL might just deal with. Can I, can I make a predict? Can I make a prediction right now, Reed? I, yeah. I don't believe it's going to be as physical as the playoffs typically are. I'm serious about this. The players have been around, uh, they've been out for a while. I know the competitive juices are going to be um, uh, flowing, but I, I just get the sense that we're not going to see the same level of physicality to start, you know, the first couple of rounds of the playoffs like we traditionally do. I mean, it, it, you know, we've seen playoff series in the past that were no country for old men hockey. Just, I mean, uh, game two, Edmonton and San Jose, the Oilers came out and just pounded the Sharks. Then, uh, then the Oilers went into uh, San Jose in Game Three, and the Sharks, I think, had 25 hits in the third, uh, the, the, the first period of that game. I don't see that happen. The guys have been off of it for a while. They're going to be coming back onto it. I just think we're see- I, 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 we're seeing less physical hockey to begin with, and I think that that might keep the injuries down. But we have another factor, and that factor, of course, is the situation with COVID-19. Yeah. And, 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 you know, when I've had Rob on, he's brought it up several times, too. You know, guys coming back after, and I know they tried to adhere to their off-season routines, but are we going to yes. see pulled groins, hamstrings, sore, whatever, pick a body part, just going through all this training camp because it's a different situation. That's well, and, that's, and that's why, like, you're going to have John Weideman on, you know, with Chicago. We don't know what's going on there. Like, he... You know, a, a goaltender suffering a groin injury. You know, coming back, and I mean, that's that's a, that happens all the time. So who's to say? I know people have an inference. Well, it must mean something. You know, it, it doesn't mean anything because we're not sure. And unfortunately, there's a fair amount of ambiguity over the nature of the uh, injuries. So uh, there we have it. All right, Bob. I don't want you to get too excited, but I prepared a quiz for Stoffer tonight. Oh, no, okay. <laughs> well, you like these, right? Uh, yeah, well, hey, have you watched yeah. Old Guard yet? Did I ask you that today? I haven't watched Old Guard. I, it sounds like something I would enjoy, though. Uh, I think it's kind it, of science fiction isn't it? Science fictiony, comic bookish. Like it's kind of right up your your uh, your right in your wheelhouse, buddy. Uh, did you like it a lot? I did like it, but it had Charlize Theron in it, and I often tend to like movies with Charlize Theron. She's pleasant. She just, you know, tremendous actor. Quiz for Stoffer. It's a two-parter. You have a hockey question and you have an international soccer question. Which one would you like first? Let's go international soccer. The highest-scoring World Cup final in history featured seven goals. What two teams played in it and what was the score? Brazil beat Sweden 5-2, 1958. Yes. And where was the tournament? Oh, I think that one was in Brazil. Was that one in Brazil? It was in Sweden. That was it the was one in Sweden. Sweden. Okay. Brazil won in Sweden. Get Brazil lost. Off. I think Brazil, well, actually, they lost at home. I, you might want to check this. I think they lost at home in 62, and it was a big deal. And at that time, Pele was not, I mean, he was 17 years old in 58 when they won 5-2. I don't believe he was the big star in Brazil in 60. I could, could have in sworn 50, it. In 50, they lost. 
at, at home. home. Was it, well, that was it. They lost at home in 50, then 54 West Germany won, 58 uh, Brazil won, 62 Brazil won, 66 England won, 70 Brazil won. They beat Italy in the final in 70, and they had a goal where they worked the ball up the field, and I think every guy in the field touched. It was just brilliant. Your hockey question, when was the last time the Oilers played a best-of-five series, and what was their result? 1987 against L.A. They beat the Kings three games to one. 1986 against Vancouver. They swept the Canucks 3-0, winning 7-3, 5-1, and 5-1. A 17-5. You can, the 87 you can... was the first year of the best of sevens. Wow, wow, I feel shame. So I get the, I get the <laughs> well, international soccer question. Uh, by the way, Reed, in that game three uh, between Vancouver and Edmonton, Kevin McClellan fought Glenn Cochran in that game. You can look it up. Oh, okay, I will for sure. You is there a fight you don't remember? Uh, well, I try to forget the numerous ones I lost off the ice oh, back geez. in the day. Uh, we got a texture asking if you ever went to the uh, Purple Onion, but I'll leave you to answer that on your show tomorrow. Sound fair? Of course I did. <laughs> Bob, thanks for doing this. Always a pleasure, man. We'll see you around the rink. All right, see you, Reed. That is Bob Stoffer. Oilers now noon to two every day on 630 Chad. He's an outstanding guy. That's an outstanding program. And, of course, Bob will be uh, doing the color commentary on the games with Jack Michaels doing the play-by-play when we get back at it. 78049. Cassian with the playoff chops ready to go. Asked Cassian about physical fitness and family time during the pause. Yeah, well, the physical fitness side has always uh, came pretty easy to me. So uh, to be honest, uh, that aspect uh, really didn't change too much. I, I had the opportunity to to work out uh, basically the whole time, so that that didn't that didn't change too much. But uh, to get to spend quality time with my daughter um, and my family was was something that I, I won't take advantage of. It was a lot of fun, um, especially she's a fun age. She's 15 months. So um, it was a fun time to, uh, just to wake up with her every morning, spend every day, see her grow. Um, that's one thing uh, the pause really, uh, really brought uh, our family a lot closer um, and, and got to spend quality time, time that we wouldn't really get to spend normally. So um, if you're going to try to find a positive, that's definitely uh, right at the top of the list. All right, that is Zach Cassian. Also, Connor McDavid speaking today. Now, remember, part of this as well, the extension of the collective bargaining agreement until September of 2026 and pending the approval of the IOC and the International Ice Hockey Federation, and I'm sure it will get approval from those two organizations. NHL players back at the Olympics in 2022 and 2026. Here's McDavid. That's real exciting. Um, you know, this is something that... Uh, you know, obviously, is is, uh, is important to me. Um, you know, just the chance to be able to chase down a, a roster spot. Um, you know, for Team Canada, um, even to have that opportunity is exciting. Um, you know, obviously, it's a couple years away, and, and uh, there's still lots of work left to be done. Um, but uh, it's, it's super exciting for for myself uh, to have that opportunity to, like I said, chase down a spot for all the young guys that missed out on the first opportunity. Um, you know, it's really exciting. It's really exciting for hockey. Um, you want to see best on best, and, and you know we don't have uh, too many uh, too many scenarios like that, except for the Olympics and you know the World Cup if we if we do that again. So um, you know it's real exciting for 
uh, not only myself, but uh, for hockey as a whole. All right, a little bit there from Connor McDavid and get more on the Oilers on 630Ched.com, globalnews.ca, and of course we have more on them in the second hour of the show. We will have more on their opponent for the qualifying round, the Chicago Blackhawks. John Weidman is the play-by-play voice in the Windy City. He's going to check in. We'll also go to Washington where the NFL team announcing they are retiring the name Redskins and they will pick a new name. A lot of people have wanted this to happen for a long time. Finally happens today. Back after the news. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.